1: that the two competing parties in this province can agree on. There's very little, in fact, that the two competing parties in this province can agree on. But if you check out the platform of both the NDP and the UCP, uh, of course, there's a lot of talk about the oil and gas sector in the province of Alberta. And the one thing that they do agree on is the fact that we have something that they call ethical oil. You've heard that before, right? Uh, there's a number of different categories that people talk about as to why Alberta has more ethical oil than, say, Saudi Arabia or this place or that place, um, all kinds of reasons Now, not to say that the policy positions of the UCP and the NDP are carbon copies of each other, but they do both talk about ethical issues around oil and gas and how we're in a different position than a lot of other places. It's a point that we hear argued all of the time. We're going to speak with Markham Hislop, who's an energy journalist and the publisher of Energy News, who's been spending a lot of time looking into this question of ethical oil, uh, speaking with a lot of people and trying to get to the bottom of how ethical Alberta oil is. Markham, thanks for joining us. Appreciate your time. Well, thanks for having me, Shay. So it's a big—it's a big question, right? In terms of this ethical oil, and you're right—we hear it all the time. It's something the politicians talk about quite a bit. So, how did you go about examining just how ethical Alberta oil is? What did you look into?
0: Well, let me tell you that this has been a, this issue has been around for a long time. Um, the ethical oil term was was coined in 2010 by Ezra Levant. He wrote a book about it, and it's been picked up by the industry and, it, and its supporters, and. At the core of it is the Alberta Energy Regulator, which governs, you know, it it imposes and it applies the rules for all aspects of, of oil and gas production. And I've been I've done interviews about the AER and the regulatory issues over the years, but I knew that there was a lot more to it. And and so I've resisted really jumping into that rabbit hole. But back in February, when uh, Imperial Oil's Curl Oil Sands plant first it had a leak that didn't go reported for nine months, or didn't get reported to the indigenous communities up there for nine months, and then it had a 5.9 million liter industrial wastewater spill, and apparently there's been some additional problems in the last in the last few days, and so I knew then that because of the magnitude of that of that spill and, and leak. That it was time to, to do a deep dive on this and so what i what i did is what i always do i, I go out and i do interviews and my my uh, journalism is based on expert interviews so i didn't interview greenpeace i didn't interview environmental defense i went and i interviewed f- uh, former aer employees uh, scientists uh engineers environmental law professors many people actually inside the industry Mm -hmm. who are intimately familiar, and nobody had a problem, nobody disputed the fact uh, that, you know, our title for this series is called Alberta, sorry, it's called Unethical Oil, Alberta's Secret Shame, and nobody disputes it. There have been problems uh, around the regulation of oil and gas and the, here's the top line number. And this is the thing that should really scare your listeners, Shay. $300 billion of unfunded environmental liabilities. 82,635 abandoned wells. 37 tailings ponds in oil sands tailings ponds with 1.6, 1.7 trillion liters of toxic waste that they don't know what to do with it is a real problem and for the very first time i don't think we know how to pay for this and i worry and i think your listeners should be worried that it's going to be the taxpayer going to be them that well,
1: has to pay. we've already we've already seen some instances when you know not all of them like you talk about but we've already seen you know uh, well well up and all the rest of that stuff and it is taxpayers it is government money that's being put forward as the possible solution for some of those problems where does the regulator fit into that though i mean aren't they on the front end of that markham in terms of if you're going to be regulating the industry that should be in place before the industry even gets started there needs to be a plan in place where did the ball get dropped
0: Everyone assumes, because the industry says it all the time, that the Alberta energy regulator is world-class. Now, where that comes from is in 2013-2014, CAP, the Canadian Association of Petroleum Producers, Mm -hmm. commissioned a study by an engineering firm, Worley Parsons. And they went out and they compared Alberta's regulatory regime to those in other advanced countries, like in Norway and the UK and the US and so on. And the conclusion was that Norway and Canada were kind of neck and neck for number one in the world. Now, here's the problem. The study was restricted by the terms of its reference to only design of of, uh, regulations, not performance. And that's where Alberta falls down. So why does it fall down? Because in Norway, a rule is a rule. But in Alberta right from the very beginning and this goes back right to the 1950s when the modern regulatory uh you know regime was starting to be set up uh alberta more than any other jurisdiction builds in discretion so what that means is when is a rule a rule what do you need it to meet? what does what do you need that rule to be so right from the ceo of the aar right down to the field inspectors and the subject matter experts they apply the rules with discretion and there are four filters sort of four principles that guide that discretion the first one is expand the industry and alberta has always put growth of of oil production and gas production above all else the second thing is attraction of capital because that creates a lot of business opportunities for the you know alberta businesses third job creation fourth government revenue so when uh, the an a the AER writ large or an inspector or whoever it is an employee of the AER goes to apply rules, then they look at those four issues mm-hmm. and that will guide them as to how much they bend the rules. Sometimes they bend the rules a lot. Sometimes they don't bend the rules at all. Sometimes it's in between. Because okay. It's such a so that's that's where where why not only is it's not ethical, it's actually unethical because the rules get bent and have been for 70 years.
1: Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.
0: At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible
1: We're chatting with Markham Hislop, an energy journalist and the publisher of Energy News. We're talking about uh, Alberta's ethical oil, how as it relates to Alberta's energy regulator. And there's been a lot of talk about the regulator recently, and a lot of testimony in Ottawa about the regulator surrounding the Curl Mine. And you know, a lot of people saying, you know, well, the regulator doesn't work for Albertans; it works for industry. And Markham, you were just sort of laying out the criteria that the AER is governed by when they make decisions around rules, and it sounds like. That's the criteria. Work with industry for economic purposes, not necessarily environmental or anything like that. The ethical ones we might think of. It's about economics.
0: Well, I would agree. And I've interviewed a number of uh, environmental law professors who are adamant that not only is this regular capt- regulator captured, that is, it puts the industry interest before the public interest, but it was always meant to be captured. Right. That, that Alberta has always put so much emphasis on giving the industry what it wants in order to have it grow that it was willing to sacrifice the public interest when it set up the regulator. And how to, some of the, now having said all of that, mm-hmm. there's the another side to this, and I've interviewed a number of engineers and other, you know, who work in the field, and there are a lot of good companies who really try hard to, uh, manage their liabilities in the correct way. And so yesterday I interviewed uh, Lorna Morishita. She's a veteran engineer. And she talked about how within companies that she's worked with, that they tried really hard to do the right thing to play by the rules. But very often that got subverted over time. And she knows for a fact that many of the companies that are in the industry were doing things, putting pressure on the regulator to do things that weren't right. And so it, it's not like the entire industry is rotten to the core, but there's enough of it out there that this is how we wound up with $300 billion of unfunded liabilities. Bending the rules on a regular basis, that's often the norm with the regulator.
1: So when you talk to these industry insiders and some of the people who actually work with the regulator, has there ever been pushback? Has there ever been, listen, we're not doing what we're supposed to be? I mean, has there ever been talk about getting the regulator focused in a different direction, Markham, or have they said this is the way it's always worked and it always will work?
0: Um, I would say the latter. Now, some of the the leadership of the AER, of any of the, the, the previous regulators like the ERCB and the EUB, uh who were previous regulators um the leadership played a big role in that now there's the uh there was a a ceo of the aar once it got started up in 2014 uh jim ellis who was drummed out of the company in i think 2019 2020 he got into a big scandal where he was using money for, for kind of his own purposes uh and but a lot of people said uh, that when as a CEO of the regulator, he really did try to apply the rules and uh, more than used to use less discretion than had been applied in in the past. The current CEO, Lori Pusher, who was put in by the UCP, is deemed to be one a weaker CEO by the people that I've talked to and certainly anybody if you uh, if you watch the House of Commons, testimony over the the curl incident uh the environmental committee called uh, mr pusher as a witness and he you know he was very evasive he was tap dancing mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and it wasn't a very convincing performance so that based on what i saw there it certainly
1: uh jived with what i had been told so but i mean does that mean we can no longer claim that alberta has ethical oil? i mean is it all is it that simple Markham? because if you take a look at In a comparative way, when it comes to ethics and the way that we do things, certainly there's a case to be made that we are better than some other oil-producing jurisdictions. You can base it on human rights. You can base it on environmental considerations, although you're raising some good points here. I mean, it doesn't mean we have to throw out the designation of ethical oil entirely, does it? Yes. It really, it's that bad.
0: Wow. I really... Shay, uh, I've spent the last three uh, three months working almost nonstop on this. I've interviewed well over thirty uh, experts in the field, and the deeper I dig, the more unethical it is. And the fact that we live in a in a democracy, you know, we're not we're not like Saudi Arabia, we're, we're not like Nigeria, we're not like Russia. Well, that's fine, but nobody pays a premium for your oil just because you're you live in a democracy and you respect human rights that's not the way the oil Mm -hmm. industry works what we're talking about here is ethical oil is about how the rules are followed and are we protecting the environment from that point of view it's not only unethical it's deeply unethical and and it's left the the people of alberta with a potentially huge bill now here's I want to make this point uh, before we go, Shay. It used to be that you know, the analogy here is, here's a story I was told by, by a environmental law professor. He said, imagine back in the 50s that Alberta was a teenager, and it's off to college, and it's party, party, and who's going to think of, of saving for retirement? Well, today in 2023, it's like Alberta is now 65 years old, and it still hasn't saved for retirement. And now it has a $300, $300 billion debt. And the the attitude in the industry and government has always been, we'll pay for it down the road. But now things have changed. So if you look at the big oil fans companies, I look at their investor presentations all the time. They are promising investors that they will give them at least 75% of all of their free cash flow, which you can take as like profits. And some of them, like Suncor, will say that remaining twenty five percent, will give you half of that if we have a good year. So let's say seventy to seventy five to ninety percent. Mo- where is the money to pay for their unfunded liabilities? It's all going to be going to investors, and mm-hmm. what little bit is left has to, is being invested by the companies because to reduce their greenhouse gas emissions because they know there's federal regulations coming and that's going to be a big issue for them. They're literally environmental liabilities, about $300 billion, is last on the list. That's pretty unethical in my view.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, uh, great work, Mark. Unfortunately, I am out of time, but I always appreciate it. Uh, We'll chat again soon.